0: YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. Oh my goodness. I just uh, just got back from Valparaiso. I, don't, I still can't say that correctly. Valparaiso, Indiana. All right. Northwest Indiana. Um, we just had a big event up there with the Mac foundation. Let me tell you a little bit about Mac foundation, man. That's a nonprofit organization in Northwest Indiana. Okay. And their whole objective is to help train first responders. And I went up there, I got in, I got into town, uh, the night before our event and I got to sat sit down with the board. I got to have dinner with the board, and they just told me about all the wonderful things they're doing. And it's so cool that organizations like this exist because there was nothing like that when I was on the job. We had no outside agencies that were trying to help us, uh, you know, better ourselves, if you will. Uh, this was the first event that the Mac Foundation did for mental health, and what an event it was! Two hundred and fifty people. We were at capacity in their uh, in their building, and we had a four hour event, and I it couldn't have went any better. We had a lot of laughs, we had a lot of serious moments, um, but overall, it was just a wonderful experience. The staff was nothing less than um, uh, perfect, and everything was perfect, man. And, and just what what an amazing event! So I I can't say enough about that. I've always thoroughly enjoyed working in Indiana with those brothers and sisters up there. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's just, it just feels like me. And when I'm, every time I'm with them, it's just, it's so comfortable. I just, I, I, I don't know. I just, well, there was one event that we recorded a long time ago. I talked about, but I deleted that episode. So if you, if you've been on, uh, on my podcast long enough and you heard that episode, you'll know the story, but that doesn't make every trip bad right? I want to go ahead and put this out there. So if you've listened to my podcast long enough, you know that we have regular episodes that drop every Monday. And I committed to that and I committed to it for a long time, for over two years. And I took last week off and I realized, I was like, you know what, I'm going to start doing this more often. I'm going to start taking more off time for me uh, as I continue to grow as a man, as a human being, as a friend, as a husband, as a father, as all these things. I got to have that time for me. You know, when I was talking to my buddy Kenny several weeks ago, he asked me a question. I didn't, I never even thought about it like this. He said, "Travis, you're constantly teaching these courses, you know, and you're constantly reliving your your own trauma, and then every week you're pumping out an episode. How do you take a break from all the the trauma and how do you decompress? And it may, it just made me think because I'd never thought about it like that. I never thought about, hey, just the message that we put out on here. I have to think about it throughout the week sometimes and I have to plan how I'm going to say things or whatnot. So therefore it gets the the wheels turning in my head. And sometimes I have a hard time sleeping at night because it, it does bring up things and it affects my day. So I got to thinking about that. And I think for me to be a little more healthy, I'm just going to not necessarily have one out every Monday. I don't know what Mondays those may be, but if you check in on a Monday and there's not one there, that's why, but I'm not quitting. There'll always be one coming. So just just stay tuned. I want to talk about, if I see if I can make any sense of this, I want to talk about changing your pedigree. I think that's a very, very difficult thing to do. On my flight to Indiana last week, I was, I was thinking about this and I started thinking about all kinds of crazy things in depth. And I started thinking about how much uh, growth has taken place in my own personal life. And then I started looking back at the man I used to be. And I look at the man I've become. I still have plenty of faults. Don't get me wrong. But I'm far removed from the man that I used to be. Now, the difference is this. The man that I used to be used to think that that's all I would ever be. And in my mind, I made up my mind that this is who I am. And if people don't like it, well, fuck them. This is me and I, ha- I carried that mentality with me and I carried that attitude around with me everywhere that I went. If you didn't like who I was, oh fucking well, this is who I am. And somewhere along the line I started believing that. And what I realized years later is this. You don't always have to be that person. You go we go through stages, right? And I'm at a stage in my life where I don't want to be that person anymore. And I've slowly begun the change on accepting, hey, I can change too. I don't always have to rub people the wrong way. I don't have to be this standoffish. I don't have to be this unhappy, this grumpy. And most importantly, I don't have to be who I was pretending to be for so long. And I don't I don't know, I think it's a a self-preservation thing, it's a defense mechanism that we use to uh not allow people to get close to us by pretending to be more callous and more, more hardened than what we really are. I I started thinking about children being born and you've always heard people say, well, I never chose to be born. I was just born. I didn't have a, I didn't have a, um, a say so in this. I was just introduced to life. So here I am. And the only thing that we can do is make the best of it. Everybody's experiences in life are going to be different just like we didn't choose to be brought into this world. Sometimes we can't choose what happens to us, but we hang on to whatever happened on us for so long. And we let it control us for so long that eventually it wins. And that behavior that we slowly take on from those events or that event or whatever it was just becomes normal. And we refuse to let it go. Ultimately, we end up hanging on to something that we had no control over, but all of a sudden it now has control over us and the outcome of the rest of our life. And I thought about that as I was heading to this event and I started thinking about how blessed I am to be able to do what I do and that I get to stand in front of hundreds and hundreds of people, every event that I get to do, and I get to teach post-traumatic purpose to people. And I have to relive some things But what I realized is all those things needed to happen in my life for me to become who I am. And I try to show people through my message that your circumstances do not define who you are unless you let them define who you are. You ultimately have the say-so in who you get to become and what you get to do with the things that you've experienced in life. You have to understand things happen. Bad things happen to good people all the time but that doesn't necessarily mean that that has to define you. I've seen it define so many people over the years, and I've seen so many people at the sign of adversity, they just shut down and they give up and they give up on their lives. And then they, they use that as a crutch or an excuse to never become better because it's easier to just accept that. The problem is the acceptance is easier, but the life is harder. I remember I was watching a a courtroom show one time and I don't even know if it's a courtroom show, but it was a lady. She was addressing a young man that had killed her son. She was in the courtroom. I don't even know where I saw this this was years ago. This is ultimately what made me decide when I was writing my book to stop and reach out to some people that, and just, and just have ultimate forgiveness to these people. So this is what happened. This lady She addressed this young man. She had an opportunity to talk to this young man and she was nice to him and she forgave him. And she says, I have no ill will or no hatred in my heart towards you. That's too heavy. And I don't want to carry that with the rest of my life. And I remember sitting up like, the fuck is wrong with this woman? How could you forgive somebody that killed your son? And I went on and I kept thinking about that and thinking about how powerful that must be to be able to completely forgive somebody who has wronged you and how now you have the control of your life. Now you could carry that hate in your heart. You could carry all that animosity in your heart it's going to affect your day-to-day life. And it's going to affect your decisions in life. It's going to affect your ability to wake up and have energy in the morning. It's going to affect your relationships or you can completely let it go. You can let it go. And when I say change the pedigree in us, it doesn't change our genetic makeup, but it changes who we ultimately become in life. You can change your pedigree by letting go of hate. You can change your pedigree by letting go of animosity, by letting go of things that you cannot control in your life. That can change the pedigree of who you become. Because I talk about secondary trauma exposure in my class, Post Traumatic Purpose. I talk about you having the ability to completely rewire people's brains based off of the way that you behave and the way that you talk to them. Because of the things you went through in life, ultimately you make other, other people suffer for that. If you're verbally abusive because of the things you went through, because you can't control your anger, because you're always having a bad day because you're holding on to so much in your life that you absolutely have no control over anymore. What's the point in holding on to all that shit? I am the pot calling the kettle black, but I know this and I'm aware of this and I exercise and practice this on a daily basis and it can continually turns my day around when I, when I have the wherewithal and the thought process to recognize this when it's going on. It literally is a light switch. I have the control over how angry I want to be at something and for how long. The problem is when we get angry at something, we choose to be angry and we choose to stay angry and we choose to find reasons to stay angry. And I hate saying life is too short because everybody says that, but not everybody really realizes that. But it is. It is too damn short to hold animosity and hate in your heart. I'm not saying you got to be that forgiving to people if they wrong you. But what I am saying is treat yourself with some kindness. Stop being so upset with yourself over things that you were going through. Stop being so upset with yourself over things that happened in your life that you had no control over. And start living your damn life. Take it from a guy who completely ruined everything. You know, I, I take responsibility for all of that in my life. There's a lot that I don't talk about on here. There's some things that you may be able to read between the lines on here, but I do keep some things private, but I'm here to tell you, I, I still work on, on things just because, um, I stumble, I fall down sometimes every single time I get up and you should too. You don't have to accept what things are. And I guess that's, that's ultimately the point of this message. You do not ever have to accept what things are. You always have the ability to put in the work and to make changes. What is so difficult about taking responsibility and holding yourself accountable? What's so hard about that? And I'm going to tell you, one of the hardest parts about it is pride. One of the toughest things for a man or a woman to get over is their own pride and their own ego. And once you can start working on that and start letting that go, you can see some real growth. What do I mean by this? You don't have to always be right. It doesn't always have to be your way. Sit down and listen to other sides of people's stories. You know, so often we only want to see what we want to see. So in our minds, we will manipulate words. We will, we will manipulate um, situations to accommodate the narrative that we are ultimately trying to achieve. I think that many of us are like that because that's the way we've always been. And we've never expressed interest in becoming anything other than what we already are you know humans talk about growth we talk about change but those are the two of the biggest things that mankind fears more than anything growth and change we all want it until it until you know it's it presents itself and then we don't want it nobody wants to put in the work to change what do i mean by that i mean it's simple conversations with people sit down listen to what they're telling you try to understand their side, their point of view. I work on this constantly. This is very hard because when I make up my mind, I see something the way it is, boom, that's the way it is. Well, that's just my side of it. And I'm trying to be a better, you know, a better partner, a better friend, a better, um, a better leader, a better listener. And I'm trying to take all these things in when I, when I hear things from people, I know this is going to be a stupid example, but I'm going to use it. I've never believed in uh calendar holidays, okay? And what I mean by that is Valentine's Day just happened. And you know, I have a wife and two girls, right? And for the longest time, even when my wife and I were dating, you know, I told her a long time ago, I just I don't believe in it. I don't believe in Valentine's Day. I think it's a way of guilting people into stimulating the economy. I'm not going to just all of a sudden start caring about somebody because a fucking calendar tells me to do it. And that that way of thinking that became the only way I would see it for many, 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 many years until recently, because I've been working on this growth and this transformation over the course of the last umpteen years of my life. This Valentine's day was different. This Valentine's day, I was excited. I went out and I did things for people that I care about. Why? Because am I a sucker to a calendar? Am I a sucker to the government um, stimulating the economy? Am I a sucker to, oh my gosh, if I don't go buy something, everybody... No, because I realize it's not about me. It's about making other people feel special, people that you love, people that you care about. It's about showing and expressing something towards them. I started thinking, I don't want my little girls to grow up thinking, you know, that they can't be treated special on Valentine's day because their dad was a dickhead who couldn't find joy in anything in his life and found reasons to hate everything in life, including special holidays. And I don't want to put them through that. And I don't want my wife to feel unappreciated on certain days because look, women like to feel appreciated just as much as men do. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to change my pedigree. I'm going to change my way of thinking. I'm going to change the way that I've always viewed everything and I'm going to open my mind and I'm going to become a better man for it. I'm going to become a stronger person for it because I'm strong enough to open my mind. See, I think weak people, which is what I was for a very long time, I think weak people are the ones who don't have the strength to open up their mind because they're so selfish and self-centered and only want to see things one way, which is the way that fits the narrative that they want it to fit. It's so crazy because I used to think that weak men gave flowers. I used to think that weak men said soft things and weak men showed vulnerability and weak men were compassionate towards other human beings and weak men. Um, And what I realized my greatest fear was true i was a weak man i was weak and i was insecure and i was afraid of all of those things i was afraid of real strength and being a real man so i hid it and i i wore a fake suit of armor to try to pretend like I was a lot harder and tougher than I really was. And turns out I wasn't anywhere near as hard or tough as I thought I was. I've been asked in the past, like, "What, what do? You, what's your definition of a man? And I, uh, I still don't know the definition of a man, but I know now that I'm a lot stronger than what I used to be. Um, I'm, I think I'm a stronger man because I do address these things in my life now openly and I don't suppress, I don't suppress things to make myself feel better. I don't beat people down around me to feel better anymore. I don't take out my problems on other people anymore. I address it all head on and I focus on myself versus focusing on, on everybody else being the problem. And I think that makes me a stronger man. Now definition of a man can be so many different things. I heard, I heard coach Mark Rick speak a couple of weeks ago at a, uh, at an event and he was talking about malehood, boyhood and manhood. And it made a lot of sense. And I'm going to mess it up the way, because he, he obviously he says it more eloquently, but he said boyhood or, um, Malehood is what every male on this earth is born into. And eventually we grow into boyhood. Well, the problem is some of us never escape boyhood and make it into true manhood. And that, that, that struck a chord with me because I thought I was a man when I was very early, when I was very young in life because of my experiences in life. And I thought I was hardened and I was a man. Well, it turns out I lived in boyhood for a very, very, very long time. I lived in boyhood well into my 30s, I believe, into my probably mid-30s before I really started turning into a man. If not, I could even argue I stayed in boyhood until my 40s. And that's just me being completely honest with you. Because what I thought was a man was not a man. I was hiding behind so many things my entire life. And that's not what real men do. I know I'm every bit of a man now. But when I look back then, I think I was a I was still living in that boyhood moment pretending to pretending to be living in manhood. Um There's another hood out there and that's fatherhood. And I think fatherhood is a big reason what got me to manhood, if that makes sense. I think there's still a lot of fathers out there that live in the boyhood stage. And I can be honest and say I lived in that for a while myself, just, just because you're a father that doesn't make you a man, just because you're a father that doesn't make you a great person. You know, um, I think part of being a man and being a father is providing for and protecting your family. But I was missing an, a major, major, major component. And that was the nurturing part. I was not nurturing my family the way that I think real men should nurture their family. Um, I wasn't delicate with my family the way real men can be delicate with their families. I wasn't vulnerable with my own wife the way that real men should be able to be vulnerable with their own wife. See, Being a man doesn't mean calluses. Being a man doesn't mean tattoos and beards and cowboy boots and being rough and rugged all the fucking time. That's what I thought real men were. And as I get older, I'm 45, about to be 45 now, I realize that that is usually just a costume for guys like me to feel like real men. And I'm realizing that real men have compassion, real men have vulnerability, and real men have the ability to be nurturing for the people that they love. Real men don't use their experiences in life to look down upon others. Real men use their experiences in life to help lift other people up who may have experienced the same thing and are having a hard time finding their composure and, and, and and finding their stability, real men reach down and help those people out. You know, I talk about my, in my course, post-traumatic purpose, I talk about who I became because of the way that I was treated early in my careers. I was treated very rough. I was treated very rugged back in the day. I was treated with a, if you can't handle it, we don't, we don't need you attitude. And we thought back then that was the way it needed to be. So ultimately, that's who I became. And as I became that person in my different professions, I realized that I used my experiences in life and on the job to not help other people like me, but to berate them if they couldn't handle whatever they were going through. And that's how I use that lesson in my life now. As a man, even though I'm not on the job, that's why I choose to to get on stage in front of 200, 300, 400 people, whatever the count may be, and open up and talk about these things. Because I didn't do it when I had the opportunity when I was on the job. I used it to abuse other people, and that wasn't right. But like I said, I was still stuck in boyhood. I wasn't in manhood back then. I was pretending and I know I don't pretend anymore. I realize now that I'm definitely living in manhood and I'm proud of that because I can put all of that to the side. I don't worry about what people think. I don't worry about what people say. I do what's right and not what's, what's popular or, um, or necessarily going to get me the most likes on social media. I do it because it's right in my heart. I just look back and I, you know, I can't, you can't change the past. So you, I always tell people, try not to regret too much, but if I could go back and change any one thing in my life, I would keep all the experiences that I had. I mean, I would, of course I would love to have the people back if I could, but one of the main things that I would focus on is the way that I use my experiences that I went through in life. If I could go back to day, to day one when it all started <clears throat> and start working on the way that I communicate and focus and help other people versus pretending like I was this strong, hard person and that I was above you, you were beneath me on the job just because you hadn't experienced the same things that I did, that's what I would focus on. That's what I would do. I'm not, I'm not making excuses for it. That was the culture back then. The culture was to not talk about things. The culture was to, uh, internalize everything. The culture was to, um, walk around with your chest out and beat your chest. But then there were, there were people that didn't do that. And to me, those were the real men. And when I look back on my job, I laugh because all of the people that I thought were real men, that I thought were real cops, that were real firefighters. I look back now, knowing what I know now as a real man, and I look back and those guys were pretend to. And that makes me sad. It, it really does. And then I look back at some of the ones that I thought weren't men, and I realize those were the real men. It's crazy. It's crazy at how you're, if you allow your mind to open. It's, it's crazy at the things that you will see, but if you always keep a narrow vision, you're always going to see the same things, right? I love having this whole open mind thing, and, and I think that it's phenomenal for any human being that wants to experience true growth to stop thinking and seeing the world the way they always have and step back for a second and really open your mind. It's, it's pretty beautiful. To put this in perspective, what I'm talking about, um, I want to ask you this. If you had to write now, if you had to write a goodbye letter to your entire family right now, and when you put that last dot on that page and you sign your name, that's the last communication you would ever have with everybody that you love. How much of a hard ass would you be in that letter? How stubborn would you be in that letter or would you actually be transparent with who you really are and be open with who you really are and would everybody that you really loved at the end of that letter know how you felt about them because if they don't know how you feel about them right now you need to start thinking about that and you need to stop whatever you're doing today and let the people around you know how much you really care about them and how you feel about them. I thought about that, you know, because I've, I've thought about those last letters many a times. And I thought about how if the people that I loved read those, how surprised they would be when they got the information that was in those letters. And then I thought about why don't they know that now? And you know why they don't know that now? It's because of pride. It's because of the inability to show people how much I care, the inability to show people how vulnerable I can really be because I'm a tough guy, because I wear a suit of armor and you don't. And because there can be no dents or chinks in my armor ever. And it's, it's so stupid, you know, um, I think one of the one of the best things that we can do in life is to verbalize just how important people are to us. You know, I tell y'all, I know this sounds crazy, but I tell y'all that I love y'all every single episode that I that I log off on because I truly mean that. There's motherfuckers on here I've never met. And I'm sorry to call y'all motherfuckers right now, but until we personally meet, you know what I mean? <laughs> Motherfucker's a turn of endearment for me, but there are people that I've never met that I can genuinely say, I love you to, because I do, because I, I understand that without the support of people that support me, I don't have anything. You know, I don't get to do what I do. And what I do is very special. I recognize that what I do. I'm honored to do And I have the honor to do what I do because of people that support me. So that's why I say I love you all. But when's the last time you sat down with your your spouse, with your, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your children, and you told them what they really meant to you? And I mean, really. It's hard to do because sometimes you'll probably choke up. And someone would look at you like your head is spinning, like, what's wrong with you? Did you just get a cancer diagnosis or something? <laughs> Why are you telling us all this? But I'm willing to bet that the people that listen to me, there's multiple people out there who haven't told people that they love them, they, they, that they care about, and they haven't told them that they love them in years. I say that because uh, my dad told me one time, and I may, I may have said it on here before, that his parents never told them that, that they loved them. And they didn't tell any of their children that. And that blew my mind. Now, my grandfather, hard-ass man. My grandmother, hard-ass woman. I get it. They didn't talk about that stuff. I tell my kids how much I love them all the time. All the time. But I sucked. I sucked at telling my spouse, my wife, how I really felt. I could always be vulnerable with my kids. But I was never able to give my wife what I gave to my children. And I'll I'll be honest with you. I think that is because, in my mind, I had to be something more um, than what I was. I had I had to be. Um, to me, that was my definition of a man. It was to not, not be soft. To not be vulnerable. That's the one person that wasn't allowed to see me like that. When in all actuality, that is the one person who is supposed to see me like that. But it was my way of thinking. It was my way that I had viewed the world for so long. It's how I grew up. It's I never saw my father vulnerable. I never saw my grandfather vulnerable. All I saw was hard men. I never saw my uncle vote, none of them. And so that's who I portrayed. But the more I learn about this stuff, the more in touch I've gotten with myself. I was, I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. I was afraid of getting soft over the years. I was afraid of all of this because I was afraid it was going to make me soft. And then I realized something. I go, who cares? Who cares if you get soft? Because you being hard your whole life, you die a lonely, old, hard-ass man. That's it. But you being soft and compassionate, you know what that gets you? It gets people around you. That gets love around you. Who doesn't want to live in a world of love? I know this is starting to sound like I'm turning liberal, but I'm not. Trust me. (laughs) All right? I'm just happy with who I'm becoming. And I, I put all this out there because I know consistently there are other people out there that reach out to me consistently who are going through the same things one of the hardest things is letting go of who you thought you were and grabbing a hold of who you can really be you always you're always going to have setbacks you know and I think one of the hard things about moving forward in a life of you know post-traumatic stress mental health disorders It's what happens when you hit that setback, you feel bad. It's like an alcoholic who's made it 57 days without drinking. And all of a sudden they chug a beer. Do you feel guilty? I don't know. I haven't drank in 11 years now, but I know when I have setbacks, a mental health setback, it makes me doubt my ability or my recovery ability. Okay. I cannot help the things that happened to me in the past. I cannot help the things that shaped me in the past. All I can choose is how I move forward in life. And I'll give you an example. My family, we were at a Mexican restaurant a week ago. And I had my two little girls. They had a friend with them and I had my wife sitting with me. And we're in this big booth. And which booth do you think I chose? I chose the booth all the way in the back, facing the door. Okay? Go figure. Go figure. Well, there was one more booth in there that had a bunch of people in it. It was kind of behind us, but off to the side. And they were being really loud. I had my girl sitting in front of me, and my wife's beside me. And all I remember was enjoying dinner. And then the enjoyment from dinner stopped and everybody else at my table was talking. And I was quiet. I was hypervigilant. My hands started sweating. I started getting nervous. I started watching the front door more. I started feeling um, stuff going on around me that I didn't like. And here's why there was a man at that table that, or a man that came to join that table. And when he walked in the door, I sized him up from the second he walked in the door to the time he got to that table. And when he got to the table. I could no longer see him, but I could feel him standing up. He wouldn't sit down and he was about three arms lengths away from me. And I could actually turn my head and out of my peripheral vision, I could see him. So I kept my head cocked to the side and I watched this man's, um, body just stand there. And I remember getting pissed. Like, why doesn't he just sit the fuck down? And while everybody's eating, I I look over and I got my hand on a knife on a steak knife on our table. And I realized I was like, man, this ain't good. I felt disgusted with myself because why am I immediately going to that? Well, I know why. And I looked around and I was looking at other people and nobody else in that restaurant was nervous. Nobody, nobody was paranoid. Nobody was hypervigilant, but I couldn't take my hand off this knife because I felt like this man was in such an advantageous position to assault me and everything that I love and everybody else in that restaurant that I couldn't, I could not shake this. It was so bad. My wife saw what was going on, called the waitress for the check. The lady comes over, drops the check and is talking to me. And I don't even realize she's talking to me because I'm focused. I'm laser focused on this guy, not staring at him, but feeling him. And I was feeling his body movements. And if he went to move, I was going to adjust my body accordingly. It was really crazy. We end up paying the tab when we get out of there It it cut dinner short. And that's what I'm telling you. You think that what you experience in life just affects you? It affects everybody else. It, It affected that whole dinner. We went from laughing and joking and having a good time to my heart beating out of my chest, feeling like I was about to be on the defense. And I know in my mind, I knew nothing would happen because nothing ever does happen. But that's one of those things. So that was a setback for me. Emotionally, that was a setback because when I left there, I looked at my wife and I go, what the fuck is wrong with me? And she didn't have any words. So we went to an ice cream shop and we took the kids to an ice cream shop and we got them ice cream. And I tried to calm down because the ice cream shop was, there was nobody in there. There was literally nobody except the owners. And then I went And I sat in the one place in the ice cream shop that I knew was safe and I could see everything. And here I am again, right back where I was, watching. And I tell people all the time, you have to, when those moments happen, you have to really be able to let go. This is changing your pedigree, all of this. You have to let it go. And you have to be able to put yourself in the moment and enjoy the moment and say, you know what? Nothing bad's going to happen. And I'm going to have fun. And then I always think that, and I'm like, well, what if something bad did happen? And then I'd kick myself in the ass. Well, there's a difference between, I think, being um, overly hypervigilant and just being aware. I think overly hypervigilant is is extremely exhausting, and it will fucking ruin everybody's time. I think being aware is letting go of that hypervigilance, having a good time. If shit pops off, you're aware of it, and you'll have a plan. Take that for what it's worth. The reason I tell you that is just to let you know you're never, ever, ever beyond all of your experiences in life. And just because you have a setback doesn't mean you're failing. It doesn't mean you're losing. It doesn't mean that you're not um, healing. Okay. It takes time. It takes a lot of time sometimes. But it takes you being aware of it. And if you just accept it for what it is every single time, it doesn't change. But I'm happy that that happened because it gave me an opportunity to really focus on what happened. And it gave me an opportunity to focus on working on something. And it let me know you're not over that hump and you still have work to do. And I can just accept it and keep going to every single dinner from here on out. And anytime I get into an uncomfortable spot, everybody's got to go and nobody gets to have fun. Or I can start working on it and it doesn't affect anybody and everybody gets to have a good time. And that's what I'm going to work on. Well, this episode got a little long. Uh, I'm still like keeping them around 30, 32 minutes, but this one got a little long, so I'm going to get going and feel free to go to my website and check out my tour schedule. We just added more dates. I think the last two that we added were Richmond, Virginia and West Palm beach, Florida, and there's more coming. So we are, uh, I say we, I I get like, I got 13 people on my team. It's just me. I, I do, I do want to hire somebody, but I don't know in what capacity yet. I think that there's definitely an opportunity for something. I just don't know what capacity. So I don't know if it's a marketing person. I don't know if it's a social media person. Please don't reach out to me and start sending me resumes. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but I, I I do, I'm I'm about to start needing some serious help over here because shit is getting out of control. So we're at 20, uh, we're, I'm at 20 events for the year already. It's March. It's not even March yet. Um, We did, I did 75 events last year. I'm definitely not trying to do that many. I love doing this, but I, I can't keep that pace up and, and, and stay healthy. So I think what I'm going to do is cap it this year. Don't know what that number is going to be but I've already started booking well into 2024, if that tells you anything for post-traumatic purpose. So again, can't do it without y'all. I love every single one of y'all. Please have a great week. Go crush all your goals. Go tell somebody you love them. Sit down and tell them how you feel about them. man. I promise you, you will not regret that. I love (laughs) y'all.